Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey. Hey, hey Danny, what's up? So you've been at the LFF uh, quite a bit more than me this week. I've had to. I've been a chump. I've been at work. You, you, uh, nine to five, working for the man, daily grind pretty guy. Lame, pretty lame. Uh, so what I'm looking for from you is I don't want to hear anything about the movies. <laughs> I want a little anecdote about your day, a little thing that ticked you off. You know, like a kind of curb esque little guy grinded your gears. Can you give me something like that? I've got the perfect. <laughs> Any day for you. Thank you. I was watching this Israeli film called Foxtrot. Okay. And it's like, it starts off with a family um, getting the news that their son is dead, right? It's quite a bleak opening mm-hmm. to a movie. Slapstick comedy. A slapstick comedy. And so, come on, in, I'm sort of into the movie. And then I hear this chomping next to me, <laughs> right? And this guy, first of all, who eats a sandwich in a cinema? That's like bad at the best of times, right? Even if you're like just your regular multiplex. That's yeah. bad form. Bad form. This is a press screening, right? And also we've had like an hour break between films. Plenty of time to get Plenty your sandwich. Plenty of time to get a sandwich. But he was eating it. But he was eating it like... It was like... It wasn't eating it like normally, like horizontal. It was uh-huh. like he was feeding it like... Uh, I don't know. I'm gesturing to Sam here. But, like, it's going into his mouth like a sort of conveyor belt. Yeah. Like, you know. I mean, like, he was in a pen and a robot arm was just inserting it. <laughs> and he was, like, really chowing it down in a way which was, like, irregular. Like, like I thought there might be something a bit wrong with him. <laughs> <laughs> and he just was, like, eating quite loudly. Yeah. And I turned and, like, I glared at him. He was unperturbed by the glaring. Did he catch the glare or did, he did was it possible he didn't notice your glaring? Uh, no, I f- you would have noticed the glaring. Okay. <laughs> it was Well, you've got quite a piercing glare, actually, because you've got quite a strong you know, brow. I've got a quite a Neanderthal kind of forehead, which is good for these kind of moments, I feel. <laughs> you know. My no, it's a strong man brow. Exactly. Like, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. And then he stopped. And then, like... I swear, I waited for the next, like the next moment of emotional, you know, trauma to start chomping on the second one. Their other son dies. Yes. <laughs> He's got another sandwich in there. Another fucking sandwich. He's <laughs> seeing that, and then like, however, he just started like he just like adjusted his hair. Like he was just like combing his like um, fringe or whatever. Thought, like and the then... movie was a Carl Mirror or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the movie become a perfect black screen, <laughs> and he could see his own face <laughs> from several meters back. And I then like my sandwich, mm, yeah, pretty good. Unfortunately, at the end, like the lights didn't come up. It just like the credits played and people started trying out because I wanted the lights to come up and me just turn and I'm like, "What the fuck was that about?" That's rude. That's not on. You can't do that. The thing is, I know we're a couple of sort of chances there. We're not like you know, we're. I feel like we're more official than most of the people who've got a press pass. This is just some sort of student who let him in. 
Where are the ushers to tell this man off? Look, Ban we, him. We have like at least single digit listeners. Exactly. He probably writes a blog that doesn't even have one digit's worth of audience. Fuck this guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> I did, I have to say that when I went to see Stronger, I did munch down on a uh, pan of chocolat, but it was before the movie. Like, I'd eaten it by the time the movie had started. Well, there you go. That's, so that's fine. that's okay, right? I just yeah, I you shoved can, it in my gob. You can do whatever you want before the movie starts. Yeah. I'm not a fascist, you know, but when the movie starts, everyone, you know. You can text, you can fuck, fuck you can eat. felch, whatever you want to do. do. whatever you want to do. But once the movie starts, you've got to, you know, done with that. Exactly. So that's yeah. all I'm asking for. Um, thanks, Danny. You really fulfilled what I wanted from that, <laughs> from that story. That's perfect. So uh, what is uh, what sort of podcast we're listening to here? What's this about? I'm glad you asked. Uh, I've got the perfect description of what the podcast is here. Film Chat is a podcast all about a 15-year-old CIA spy called Sam Foster. When the CIA are threatened by an evil organization called Eris, they turn to Sam for help. They learn that a top scientist called Dr. Connors is working for Eris, and they reason that if Sam can start dating Connors' teenage daughter, Natalie, they can get the vital intel they need to bring the organization down. Makes sense. Unfortunately, despite being a well-trained super spy, Sam is hopeless at talking to women, and his attempts to befriend Natalie result in him making a total fool of himself. However, eventually Sam befriends and falls in love with Natalie after saving her from a falling ladder, uh, which was going to hit her while she's putting up a banner. He is then invited to a 16th birthday party at her dad's house. There, he goes into the house, finds the farmer's lab, and discovers that Eris is planning to use nanobots, which can destroy any carbon or silicon-based substance, to destroy the world's defense system so they can friend anybody they like and no one can oppose them. And it's up to Sam to stop the nanobots, save the world, but his midterm paper is overdue, and the prom's tomorrow! <laughs> is what I would be saying if this was a adaptation of Agent Cody Banks. This is, in fact, just a podcast where we talk about and review films. I'm Danny Moran, and joining me is a man with a license to frill people with his great opinions about films, Sam Foster. Hey, hey. Uh, it's a big week for Danny and me, listeners. Kingdom of the Secret Service, you remember that. That was Matthew Vaughan's Bond spoof slash extended burp by a school prefect. It's been one of our favorite movies to hate for a while due to its combination of smugness, elitism, and sexist land pants. Uh, we've been sharpening our knives for the sequel ever since that was announced, and finally this weekend we got to see Kingsman the Golden Circle. Stay tuned to find out if it was a masterpiece of non-winking satire that ingeniously forces audiences to confront the crudeness of the sex and violence most blockbusters hide beneath innuendo, or if it was exactly the piece of shit we thought it would be. We will also be discussing newly announced projects from the directing duo Phil Lord and Chris Miller, and the directing Uno, Joe Cornish. All that should leave just enough time for me to announce my new non-winking satire that deliberately makes audiences uncomfortable in order to expose unpalatable truths about mainstream entertainment. License to kill chaffs. In which an elegant gentleman spy decides to bump off all the bloody povos so that London isn't quite so stinky. An alliance of gays, feminists, Mexicans, disabled, environmentalists, and drug decriminalization campaigners, all of whom are billionaires for some reason, Try to stop him, but our hero throws them all into a big blender, makes a massive stew out of their mangled flesh and guts, and then fucks the stew to completion while reciting Latin poetry. And then he, and then he just like you know pops his t- cravat back on. He goes home to mother and clambers into his lovely, well-made bed, and he's just like he saved the world. <laughs> can't, can't wait. <laughs>
Danny has once again putting in time at the social media coalface, helping to promote film chat on all sorts of different platforms, getting us out there, uh, creating buzz and attention and doing what, you know, a good uh, professional podcaster should do. He My pleasure. Post- he posted on Facebook this week, uh, Facebook Hive Mind, I have a question inspired by our upcoming Kingsman 2 review. What film released in the last five years have you hated the most? You don't have to explain your choice if you don't want to. That's nice of you to say, isn't it? Just trying to collate some hate. <laughs> I like to sign off with a nice little rapping. <laughs> nice little rhyme. Lovely. Uh, so there's a few responses to this. People like to talk about what they don't like. Uh, we have one's very recent. Just came in 40 minutes ago from Ryan Garvey. He says anything with Nicolas Cage in. Wow. Wow. Controversial, Garvey. Even... Even Vampire's Kiss? Even Adaptation? Even or adaptation. like, you know, Leaving Las Vegas, like his good movies? Or like Raising Arizona? I have exactly the opposite opinion about that. Um, also, that doesn't, that's not in the last five years. Unless he means, any, wait, unless he means oh. anything Nicolas Cage has oh, made in the last five which years. Which is fair maybe, enough, because maybe, fair maybe enough. it's been a bit of a sort of... Has been a bit of a sort of fallow period for Nicolas Cage, unfortunately. When was Drive Angry? <laughs> that's pretty good. Enjoyed Drive Angry, to be honest. <laughs> that might be before 2012, though. Yeah. Um... Anyway, so uh, some other takes here. Tom Andrews responded to say that the worst film ever is The Blind Side, which came out in 2009. So he says, I know it falls outside of your stated time period, but I just can't contain the hatred right now. It deserves to go down in history as evil garbage. But Sandra Bullock won an Oscar for her performance in that movie. Have you seen it? I've not seen it. I'm so up, though, for evil garbage that won an Oscar. And now I want. I wish I had an opinion on it. Oops. Danny drops his phone. Awful. Yeah, she's like a white woman who adopts like a black guy and allows him to play American football or something. It can't be problematic. I don't see how there could be any issues with that. It is quite, yeah. It is funny how, uh, I feel like just the world in general has become a bit woker. Do you think, like, do you think like, sort of like white people save like, or solve racism movies are not, you know, it wouldn't work as well now? Or? Well, you, you, you know, you, it's only eight years ago, but what if the blind side came out this year? How would it be? Yeah. What I mean, would the reaction be? You know, like. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I think. It's a hard hypothesis to test in a way because I don't know if there's been any other movies like racially problematic movies that have come out that have received like more uh, public criticism than they would have if they were released in 2009. You know what I mean? But like maybe there's just less of these movies that you can think of that have been released. But there's been no movie like The Help recently. Or... Well, yeah, I guess it's all hypotheticals. Like would La La Land, if it came out in 2009, would people have like made such a, you know, Zero did on the, the racial element. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Although, like... although people, there was a lot of criticism for something like Crash, right? When that came out. Yeah, yeah. yeah Even that's though true. that obviously, you know, one but, best picture, one best picture. <laughs> but like at the same time, the problematic racial elements of that were discussed at the time. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. 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 <laughs> Interesting question. One, <laughs> My one, response would be meh. one for another time. We're talking about just movies in like now. Uh, not, can't look too deeply into can't look deeply in these racial elements uh, <laughs> James Andrews suggests La La Land swiftly followed by the theory of everything very in tune with the uh, film chat takes on those two movies very good James those are both terrible uh, Chris Young suggests well, he says Kingsman is definitely young especially because it got such a free pass at the time I also hated the new Tarzan with Alexander Skarsgård but everyone hated that I think there's like a common thread here is like movies you hated particularly because other people liked them yeah 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 that's very true um, Joe McCormack suggests Skyfall, which apparently has 92% of Rotten Tomatoes, which does seem quite bananas. That's a shit movie. That movie is bad. <laughs> um, Matt Smith suggests Man of Steel. He says, I knew it was an action comic adaptation it would bore the hell out of me, and it did. Crap story and an elongated fight sequence that was dull, dull, dull. Dull, dull, dull. Yeah, that's both like a dull movie and like a like a weird film. Very like, weird. The kind of politics of it. Yeah. It's like the sort of Anne Rand take on Superman. 
yeah, I don't know, like angsty Superman whose parents teach him not to help people is a very strange angle to take, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. A sort of like genocidal like conclusion <laughs> of like millions of deaths and stuff. It's a very, very weird movie and bad one. Uh, Andy Poole says, uh, Only God Forgives. This film got five out of five from The Guardian, so I went to go see it. I was a Guardian fan at the time. In my opinion, it is far from a five out of five film. <laughs> <laughs> it is a four out of five film. And what, that's why I hate it. What did you think of it? Uh, and, and Matt Smith comments, but Thai police chief karaoke? To be fair, well, it did like, that did remind me of one of the things I kind of liked about Only Golfy Gibbs, which I didn't hate. I wouldn't, I would definitely wouldn't say it was a five out of five star movie or whatever. Uh, but it does have that slight sort of like weird elements to it that make it additionally entertaining. I couldn't like hate any movie that has that Thai um, police chief character in it. Sort yeah, of, yeah. Like yeah. Avenging Angel, like Chubby police murderer <laughs> sort of guy i i mean i can understand anyone hating it but i kind of gave myself over to the weirdness sure it's I, like it's 90 like, minutes long it's that's like the, that's the refin that's the choice with refin you know either like hate the pretension or just give yourself you over just to- go, you just kind of go for it yeah. like there's there's i don't really think there's too much going on below the surface of any of his films it's not the ones that i've seen and great score by uh cliff martinez oh yeah i don't i don't remember the score too i'll much put in a bit now I agree. Didn't really hear it, listeners. It's all happened after. It has some good organs, you know, like Hans Zimmer, Interstellar, but with more synth. Cool. So better. Um, Yeah, but that's a very. I think Raffini is quite a divisive filmmaker, really. I think he like stumbles onto interesting ideas via like just only caring about fashion shoot style. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So yeah, thanks, thanks everybody for those for those responses. Those were excellent. Um, Danny, do you have any other movies that you particularly hate? You want to highlight outside of uh, Kingsman? I didn't like Imitation Game. I think that's a really shit film. Yeah, but, but it's like, also in terms of like movies that were well received, but that are actually bad. It's yeah, but also it's like it's. I think that movie is because it's a true story and it's been molded into this like different narrative. But it's an actually tragic tale of a man who was like super smart and because uh, being gay was a crime had chemical castration. And it's like taking a genuinely tragic story and sort of pushing into this sort of like crappy like late 90s Miramax yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of mold that feels like that's actually like a sort of morally bad thing to do <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. rather than just being a shit movie it's actually like cross some sort of line yeah 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 um, but other than that I don't know I would Wind t- River that was shit yeah Wind River <laughs> that was shit but I, I would like I think like the worst movies that I've seen are probably ones that are generally considered to be bad like Batman v Superman uh, yeah, yeah and Suicide Squad and like the Fantastic Four movie all those like uh, convict blockbusters that were just dreadful and didn't work at all. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't care enough about yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, with those, it's like I can imagine if I was really if I grew up reading Superman, I would hate those movies. But I don't care enough for it yeah. to really like get under my skin. Sure, yeah, yeah. But they I don't, they don't see, make me angry. But I can see why some people like you know that was the worst thing that happened in that year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, hate's a strong word, I guess. Whereas like Kingsman is that sort of nexus of like like trying pretending it's subversive but being very elitist. You're right. Like, that kind of smugness. It is, is much. What, it's much more hateable. Yeah. That's what makes it so damn hateful. 
Yeah, it's probably like that and maybe like, I don't know, The Eyes of My Mother or something. Oh, yeah. It's a bit of a pointless movie to hate because it's just some indie horror film that nobody will see. But it also shares a a pretentiousness that makes it particularly hateable. It thinks that it's so much more interesting. I think that's it. It's like like what the film was projecting compared to what it is. But but like combined with a critical reaction that laps all that shit up and it's like incredible visionary new horror director. And it's like, that was a fucking torture 90 minutes. I, I... I'm deeply suspicious of anybody who enjoyed watching that film because it was horrible to watch. Well, as we will go into in Kingsman 2, we are obviously way ahead of the critical curve on this. Our review is going to be so smug. It's going to be smugger than the actual fucking film. Somehow, (laughs) it will be even smugger than Matthew Vaughn, which you think would be impossible, but we're going to manage it. Oh, you think Kingsman 2 is bad? We were on this like three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, it wasn't like universally liked, but like all the signs were fucking there. If you thought the second movie was going to be good, you're a sucker. You're an absolute sucker. Superhero films announced. Casting rumors leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated. Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated. Meryl Streep's Oscar tips. Matt Damon's in a viral vid. Michael Bay's made a mint. That's the news that's fit to print. So we were all looking forward to Phil Lord and Chris Miller's Han Solo movie because they did such a good job with the Lego movie and the 21 and 22 Jump Street films and the Cloudy of a Chance of Meatballs movie. And they got fired. They say creative differences. We all know what it means. They were too creative or too different for the Hollywood brand. Kathleen Kennedy was like, no, this is a bit not enough like Star Wars. So they've got the boot. And uh, everyone was like, that's a shame because that was the only interesting thing about that project. But they are bouncing back and having just got fired of a movie about a space smuggler, they're like, what movie can we make? I know, a film about another space smuggler. Why not? They've got all those unused space smuggler notes lying around. <laughs> it's like, I'm not just going to throw these yeah, away. They only got halfway through the shoot. We had a, enough, a whole load of space smuggling sequences. We didn't get to shoot. Yeah, Ron Howard came in and he chucked out all our notes. We were like, what? Have, I've got all the great space smuggling ideas, space Ron. Space smuggling ideas, Ron. Um, so the film in question is called Artemis, which is the title of an upcoming book by Andy Weir, who um, wrote The Martian. And even though the book hasn't been released yet, they've already Hollywood has seized on the property. And the book in question focuses on Jasmine Jazz Bashira, who is looking for a little direction in her life while working on the titular city Artemis, the first to be built on the moon. She's a porter by trade, but tries to make money with a smuggling sideline until a potentially huge score drops into her lap and lands in the middle of a conspiracy for control of the city itself. Sounds like a sort of fun space opera thing. Sounds like fun. I really hope they like they just lean into the Han Solo-ness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just turn her into this incredibly Han Solo-esque character. And apparently Lord and Miller are going to be joining forces with a yet-to-be-announced writer to write it, and they're going to run direct and it'll be out next year. So, so it's quite speedy turnaround. Yeah, I hope it's, you know, just a massive fuck you to the Han Solo movie. And it's just like a massive smash. I mean, it kind Han of Solo. sounds like it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, we obviously had the obvious similarities, but uh, it is another sci-fi movie. <laughs> I mean, people will be drawing those connections inevitably. Yeah, and yeah. it's a very them kind of thing to do. It's like one of the gag from one of their movies. Yeah. You know, instantly to be like make... from it and then instantly just make that film, but like as some kind of independent movie. Um, and it also is exciting in the same way that it was exciting when they were working on the Han Solo movie and that it's a different kind of film to the ones they were making previously. So making yeah. these quite straightforward, broad comedies before, they're very like off the wall and creative, uh, but like very tightly made. 
a bit like early Edgar Wright movies, you know, where you feel like he could go on and do different genres and stuff because, like, the directing craft is and so And they're so, like, cine-literate as well. So cine-literate and, like, so clever and so full of ideas that you kind of feel like, oh, these guys, uh, whatever they do is going to be really interesting. Well, I feel like they have sort of single-handedly made like, this new brand of, like, animation. Well, like the Lego Batman movie and the new like Lego Ninjago movie or whatever, yeah, yeah. follows in this super subversive, like like really highbrow, lowbrow jokes, like kind of like Good Simpsons episode style humor, yeah, which didn't really exist before them. Like yeah, yeah. I know before there was like always it was like aimed at kids and there'd be a few jokes for the adults, but they seem to have like zeroed it into a more. Yeah, it's uh, like it's a bit I'm like struggling to think of a word here because the new Lord and Miller's brand of comedy has kind of gone mainstream do, is it do you reckon you could describe it as a kind of attention deficit disorder pixar yeah you know? exactly <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> it's like there you go uh, yeah like enjoyable for all ages but just kind of like frantic everything's packed in there yeah um and yeah i mean like i wouldn't if like judd apatow announced he was making like a horror movie or a thriller or something i'd be like well that's probably gonna fucking suck but it's gonna uh, be 40 minutes too long <laughs> yeah but with these guys whatever they announce i'd be interested to see what they do I, I don't have enough examples of this to make it into a full BuzzFeed list, but I I feel there's like there's a I don't know what to call it, like kind of bounce back movies like movies by directors who had like a terrible experience and then went on in the next film they did like they kind of went for broke like Baby Driver or something like Baby Driver uh, like uh, June to Blue Velvet 1941 to Raiders of the Lost Ark there's got to be more examples oh, I see of, what like, you mean. the yeah. directors had a terrible experience and they're like fuck it. You know, I'm going all you know for broke on the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what my point is here, but maybe you know, buoyed by the lack of cooperation, hopefully this company is going to be like, just do what you want. We're not Kathleen Kennedy. We're not Star Wars. You're geniuses. Yeah. If uh, if Simon Brew from Den of Geek is listening to this podcast, uh, you can ask Danny to write that article for you. That's going to get a few clicks. Don't worry about it. It's going to be a killer listicle. It's going to be such a good listicle. Great just listicle. Pick them up. I've only got three at the moment, but. I could get some more examples together, yeah, probably. More. Come on, Cy. Come on, Cy Brew. Give Danny a call. Talking of great direct. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tob or Tors who make fun original movies. Joe Cornish made a huge splash in 2011 with Attack the Block, which was a brilliant film, launched the career of John Boyega and also himself. But unlike John Boyega, Joe Cornish has gone quiet. Yeah. And like, we've all been waiting for the next Cornballs movie because that debut was so confident and like, shit, he's an actual proper... He's the real deal. He's a real deal. But we don't have to wait much longer for a new Cornballs movie because he is uh, about to gear up to shoot The Kid Who Would Be King which he's written himself, which is a, an adventure film which apparently blends Arthurian legends with a coming-of-age story and is about a uh, a young kid called Alex, played by Louis Circus, a schoolboy whose everyday problems are thrown to stark relief when he discovers the mythical sword Excalibur, which sounds like some kind of cool genre mashup. And he has signed Patrick Stewart and Rebecca Ferguson to star and is going to be shooting this year for release next year. 
we know a few more things about the story. So it's going to be about this uh, protagonist, Alex, and his friend, Bedes, Lance, and Kay, played by Dean Shamu, Tom Taylor, and Rihanna Doris, respectively. And they must thwart the ambitions of the evil Morgana, who's going to be played by Rebecca Ferguson, who has her own plans for the weapon and aims to destroy the world. And Patrick Stewart is going to be playing a sort of old Merlin. It sounds, sounds like, pretty cool. Know, kind so of fun. I mean, well, it's just it sounds relatively like a generic kind of Disney type movie, right? Yeah, young Arthur, but set in the modern day or something like that, like a kid. You know, well, there's Arthur, the but... Mark Twain, a uh, Connecticut Yankee, in King Arthur's Court. You ever read that book? No. It's about a well. It's quite funny because now it's about a guy in the 30s going back to King Arthur's times, but. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time, it was current. There was a book that I read. There was like a couple of books I read as a kid that were kind of about that as well, about a child who returns to uh, Arthurian legend. And it's it was a classic. Like, it's a classic, uh, yeah, classic model. Um, yeah, and it's a bit like it, the premise of Attack the Block, but you know, a group of kids in London who like go on an adventure. Except now, instead of fighting aliens, they're like fighting a witch. Yeah. Well, what I would say is that Attack the Block is. Um, we kind of seem to live in this age of 80s nostalgia and everyone keeps on trying to make a sort of Amblin, goonies S movie. Like Super 8 was like that. Stranger Things is like that. It is obviously like that. But Joe Cornish, like Attack the Block is the only one which kind of is obviously very 80s like influenced but kind of forged into like a new fresh thing. No, he was like, trying it, to make like a John Carpenter movie. Yeah, but it's uh, sort of no. like it's a bit Ghostbusters but it's like it's not... There's no one-to-one parallel with the earlier movies. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't took, feel like a nostalgia fest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He kind of took the spirit of those movies and did something that felt very current and fresh of it. That's true, yeah. In a way which it feels like everyone's trying to do, but he kind of did it even before it was kind of in vogue. Yeah. So I have full faith in him to do it again. And also, it's kind of... I feel like a slightly left-to-center take on the Arthurian legend is a good way to go because I think we might have discussed this a little bit with the Guy Ritchie film, which was a masterpiece, but critics didn't agree um in that king arthur is like a sort of tale which has a lot of cultural cachet and everyone knows merlin and scalibur and stuff but the actual story is not that good yeah so if you do like a straight adaptation which the guy ritchie one was kind of sort of leaned towards in the end well it's it had a this bit weird dull. thing of like setting up a plot which is not what the cultural uh, thing of the legend is about at all no. it's about a set of characters yeah exactly so, it's, so all it's, the, it's um, not about a story it's about the characters you know, and some vague idea of who the good guys and the bad guys are. But I don't think people really know how, you know, exactly the details of what happens. So to, so for the movie to be constructed as a prelude to a future story, <laughs> it's like missing the whole point, basically. Yeah, exactly. Which is why it's a good thing you can sort of go in and just play around, a bit. play around with it because everyone knows the names and characters, but no one really knows what happened or particularly cares. It would be like making a Robin Hood film that was set entirely in the Crusades. You know yeah, what I mean? like, exactly. What the fu- what's the fucking point of that? Yeah. Um. Uh, the other thing I like about this idea is that Attack the Block felt like uh, it's maybe you know if you were a fan of Adam and Joe, the uh, like comedy uh, radio show that uh, Joe Cornish did with Adam Buxton, or, or you know knew him from his Channel Four TV show, you might have imagined that his first foray into directing would be a kind of light-hearted comic film, a bit like. Uh, Garth Jennings film, uh, like Son of Rambo, or whatever, like a kind of uh, fun, sort of lighthearted, silly movie. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but this project sounds a bit closer to like more scope to embody the uh, kind of persona that he adopted a bit more on the radio. Um, and he's very funny. So I kind of like the idea of him just making like a straightforwardly comic movie. 
the sort of thing that Rob Rodriguez would do and it wouldn't be as good now. And <laughs> Joe, Joe Corn just going to do it and it might be good. Yeah, yeah. And like, because he was going to make the movie Snow Crash for a while, right? And it fell through. Yeah. And uh, I'm just, on some level, I'm just pleased for him, you know? He's good making... on you, Joe. You always seem like a vaguely neurotic guy, a bit like Adam, you know, carrying a bit of like middle-aged burdens or whatever. <laughs> and you probably hated Hollywood and, uh, you know, you're getting on. Yeah. Six years later, you're back. You're doing it. Good for you, man. Good for you, buddy. Good for you. That's a bit patronising, but good for you. And I mean it. I mean that. Good for you. Well done. You're a legend. Sam and Danny both watched a film and they decided to record a few opinions on the things they saw. You're going to hear them in a moment or so. There could be angry disagreements, but their views are normally quite close. A joint review shared between two podcast brothers. Do they let one another speak or do they interrupt each other? The light is on. The guys are in. So let the chat begin. Start talking now. Kingsman the Golden Circle, sequel to Kingsman the Secret Service. This is Matthew Vaughan's latest movie, Kingsman the Secret Service, as described earlier on the podcast, was a kind of uh, Bond spoof, which was uh, taking on the um, all the cultural elements of Bond movies, the suaveness and everything, and kind of putting it in a, a context of, like, colourful, violent pastiche. Um, At least that was the plan. That was the plan. And that movie saw the uh, rise from poverty to uh, gentlemanly, uh, suave bondness of a young lad called Eggsy, played by Taron Egerton, uh, mentored by Colin Firth, who, uh, spoiler alert, died in the first <laughs> film. <laughs> um, and uh, the sequel picks up uh, shortly afterwards. The first movie was rather controversial for concluding with an offensive anal sex gag and the woman, the poor woman who uh, Matthew Vaughan forced to be this, the uh, object the of this. The butt of that the butt, butt joke. The butt of that joke uh, is now the long-term girlfriend of Taryn Egerton. At uh, the beginning of the movie, he, uh, his organization, Kingsman, the Swale Spy Agency, is attacked by uh, the evil Julianne Moore who runs a um, global drug circle and uh, the golden circle of the title they destroy the kingsman and then they have to travel abroad to find help and there uh, Eggsy and his sort of handler man uh, merlin played by mark strong encounter the sort of american equivalent who uh, are called statesmen and here's a bit of channing tatum doing a bit of a southern charm you remember him from logan lucky oh he's back and he's doing a very convincing accent <laughs> You know, my mama, she always told me us Southerners get our good manners from the British. And I was thinking, ain't that a pity? Y'all ain't keep nothing for yourself. Y'all ain't never heard of knocking for you, in Well, yee-haw, well, partner. Hold it, boy. <laughs> what do we got here? Hello. A couple of lambs hanging around my whisker barrel. I can't believe it. <laughs> so this film is... Uh, amazing. Amazing. Amazing film. So, um, we were excited to see this movie because we like we really, really didn't like Kings in the Secret Service. Hate it. Hate, Hate it. it. Hate it. Hate it. Despise, awful despised it. Fucking shit <laughs> film. Um, and, but it was quite well-received generally. Uh, and now the second movie came out. I think like the Run and Tomato score is actually pretty good but i think that in general uh that people have not received it as well as the first film uh and we were anticipating it would be like a disastrous mess and we were our expectations were met 
Everyone, Couldn't be happier. It was terrible. It was fucking it was shit. Terrible. I think the only problem with it is that it was like more than two hours long. So like, oh my god, you know, <laughs> it could have been just as satisfyingly bad and only been ninety minutes long. But instead, we had to sit in the cinema for like two and a half hours, <laughs> suffering through it. And it truly, it truly is awful. Um, so I think the 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 sort of take that I have this is basically is what I expected pretty much. Yeah. And the first movie has the, the the fundamental thing that was so irritating about the first film uh, is that it has this smug idea of being above Bond cliches while leaning into them and trying to like pull that one over you as though that makes it okay. The sort of like genre lampshade hanging. Yeah, like presenting you with all this like awful sexist misogynist classist shit but it's like a joke as if it's yeah as if it's like a joke but it's it a joke isn't. like top gear it's a joke and like but the, the new element to the story is this narrative of a working class person who turns into a posh person which is obviously introduced you know for this story it's not a bond thing at all and that is also offensive because uh there's this kind of uh, classist uh, idea that where he comes from is like shit culture and he has to get into like good culture yeah so it's not it's not just like about the material circumstances or it's not even really at all about the material circumstances or like the way that being poor is bad and that you know if you can get out of like tough life circumstances that is obviously a good thing but instead it's about how like he used to be a chav and he didn't understand you know good manners didn't, he, know, which, didn't know what taught. a fish fork was. You yeah, know? exactly, and all that shit. And then he got taught, like, manners, quote-unquote. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, learned how to be a prefect. And that's just, like, really horrible. But in this movie, they can't do that because that's been done. The arc's complete. The arc's complete. So the interesting thing about it is that you might expect that with that element removed, what you'd be left with is a more pure Bond parody because they have their straightforward sort of Bond character now. He's been, you know, turned into that by the film. Yeah. Uh, but instead it's kind of gone the other way and it's not really a bond thing anymore it's just a kingsman thing so rather than referencing things you're familiar with from bond movies it just references things you're familiar with from the first kingsman film it's like that one kind of alpine ski sequence which is like supposed to you know supposed to be like uh i don't know Uh, on a magic secret service. service yeah but um but other than that the the movie is constantly having nods back to the original kingsman so that just makes it even more pleased with itself than the first film was. And I think like it's a bit of a broader problem. It's a bit like what you talked about or like what you've spoken about before with like uh, Sherlock, for example, TV shows like that, or even like the new Doctor Who of like getting too invested in its own world. Believing your fast, own hype, you know, reading just... too many reviews of your own shit. Yeah. And thinking that like you're this massively significant cultural object and that all you need to do to be relevant is just to refer back again to what you did and to constantly subvert the expectations that you presume are there by redoing or like retreading old ground, but having a little twist on it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, that's just very, very self-indulgent. Um, and the movie introduces a whole host of other problems that are basically like the, the sort of fundamental building blocks of the movie don't go together. It's a complete mess, like the story wise. And so it's not as like viscerally offensive as the first film, but in a way, because it's so incoherent and it's just, it's sort of amateurish really. And like, so I just kind of came out of it being like, well, that's, you know, that was just a mess. That's kind of what I thought it would be. And it's just a fucking mess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like the one kind of talking point a lot of reviews have um, focused on is this uh, egregious, uh, like super disgusting, laddish humor, 
which is almost like Matthew Vaughn, like, you didn't like my anal sex joke? Well, yeah, he really doubles down. It. Obviously, a lot of people talked about that anal sex joke, and now he really has doubled down on it in a huge way. But like you were saying, like, that anal sex joke, which was terrible in retrograde, was like sort of like his R-rated version of the end of a Roger Moore Bond movie where he's copying off of the beautiful nondescript Bond girl. So even though that argument was complete bullshit, at least there was some sort of yeah, not you, justification, you, you but the they, logic for why they put it in there from a Bond spoof perspective. But the sort of the new his new uh, you know SJW baiting scene is like so it's so long, so long, it it's like so contrived, so contrived, and you're watching it and you're like, what were they thinking? Yeah, you know? what were they thinking? And that sort of you know what were they thinking kind of applies to the whole movie because. It just like the internal logic breaks down sometimes within scenes, <laughs> not even scene to scene. It makes no sense. As we, we you know, uh, Colin Firth died, but it was like in the trailer that he's back and he, he was shot in the face, <laughs> right in the brain. Uh, but they've got this new gel that can like fix that. And the moment you introduce that, it becomes this weird kind of like magic, like no one's ever dead, nothing really matters. So it's any, all a bit fun, isn't it's it? It's all a bit fun. Random. And then but it's all random. But then at the same time, there are these scenes where like there's a sort of elongated like character's death scene, which is supposed to be some sort of emotional hero's death. But it's like you've just established that no one really dies in the world. And it's a fucking cartoon. It's a fucking or, cartoon. So yeah. how am I supposed to be feeling? And like, yeah, like we were saying before with the films we hate the most, the sort of the gap between what the film is and what the director think the film is, is like so wide in some parts of the movie that it becomes just embarrassing to watch. You get this weird sensation that he loves, he loves this like uh, product that he's made, that he's really invested in Kingsman as a thing. And it's like the exact milieu he wants, where he gets to kind of do cool movie stuff, fight scenes and like attractive, like lot tracking shots and whatever, all the like cinematic shit he's into and also indulge all the sort of vulgarity and winking and like idiocy that he likes uh so you feel that he's very invested in it but at the same time you feel like it's a bit knocked off yeah like that he didn't really put that much effort into it because so much of it is a retread of the first movie it's very strange to me that two films into your franchise the villain's plot is like the same as the first film but just with some other like uh liberal interest instead of the first movie the villain is uh environmentalist trying to solve global warming and a you know by like via mass murder and in this film it's somebody who's trying to push drug decriminalization also via mass murder and it's like what is that even what are you trying to say is that yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah then you sort of that that's the element that really feels like trolling because it's just like this will get up their nose it's a bit like sort of bad south park jokes yeah, yeah. or something absolutely you know? it's like that kind of attitude of like that'll piss everyone off all the snooty people who think they're so great and it's like who who are the people who you're trying to annoy with this what is it that you're trying to because it's like it's not offensive to see somebody who wants drugs legalized portrayed as a horrible villain in the movie even though that's a reasonable position to actually take yeah it's not actually offensive it's just idiotic yeah, yeah like who do you think is going to be like you know clawing at the walls because you've like you know um offended their sensibilities or whatever like i don't get it yeah, it's completely bizarre. It's also just, um, like, it, it holds up the Kingsmen. It's not really sure what they represent. What do they want? There's no, like, moral... There's no morality to the film. It obviously, like, it's quite a hateful film because, like, he hates people, it feels like. Yeah, that's. I think that's the overriding impression you get from Matthew Vaughan. He's not a people person. <laughs> he, he just, like, hates, hates all things. people. All yeah. people are objects in his bizarre, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...sadomasochistic kind of cinematic universe. And it's also... It's, I mean, we're just repeating our complaints of the first movie here, but it's like, 
it's a movie which is both expensive and cheap in that from the trailer and the posters it's got these american stars but they've obviously been hired for like two days work they don't really want to be in the film i think like you made a good point after we watched it was like it's got a record number of phoned in performances yeah. like nobody particularly wants to be in this film <laughs> at all like Taron Egerton, bless him. It's like he's, he's got the, the only one. He's who's like he's got stuff to do, and he's trying his fucking. He's best, trying his fucking best. Jeff Bridges doesn't even know he's there. Julia Moore is like you know Todd Haynes' film doesn't start till Monday. Sure, I'll be in your <laughs> shitty film. Just you know, cut me a check. It's not as offensive as the first one because it hasn't got the surprise of the first one of how bad it is. But I think it is a much uh, poorly made film. Much worse made film. Yeah. And uh, much poorly is that good grammar? I don't know. <laughs> and the critical reaction to it reminds me of. Um, the critical reaction to Spectre um, compared to the adulation for Skyfall in that they're kind of identically problematic films, but just one is a bit more coherently put together. One's a bit shorter and less sprawling. And like the difference between a good and a bad film is like this much. You can't see what I'm gesturing here. But it's a very tiny, small gap. A very small gap between my finger and forefinger. My, my thumb and forefinger here. Very small. Yeah, I just like exhausted by it. I was I was kind of pleased by how shit it was, but afterwards, I was like, I do actually have to watch this. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an interesting movie to try to see. Like, uh, well, you say it has no morality. There's definitely some kind of political, like, position that it's coming from, though, which is an interesting one to pick apart a little bit. Uh, Chris sent um, us a link on Twitter. I don't know, you've been out all day at the film festival. So I watched a bunch of movies, complaining about people eating sandwiches and stuff. He sent us a link on Twitter to a piece on Vox.com. Uh, they sort of reviewed the movie, and they're basically, the, the idea of the article is like a kind of, uh, the hidden conservative politics of the Kingsland movies. And it's, mm, like, it's not that hidden. Not that hidden to me, <laughs> Vox. Check out the uh, film chat review of this from a couple of years ago. Um and they're saying the the argument of that of that article is that uh, the piece kind of venerates like uh, like an old fashioned conservatism, but it's mixed with this like slightly anarchic anti elitism. Um, and the my sort of like response to it is that it's definitely it's got this kind of adulation of poshness, which feels like very like old fashioned Tory basically. Yeah, and it, and there's there's this sense of like good elites and bad elites, and like the good elites are basically old money people. Mm. And and the bad elites are like um, upstarts who uh, aren't real men. Silicon Valley, yeah, cucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like uh, the in the first movie, the villain is like a black, effete, uh, like tech billionaire guy who doesn't wear a tie. You know, he doesn't like violence. He wears like trainers and stuff. Yeah, and doesn't like violence, which is obviously really lame. And his like henchman is like a disabled woman disabled <laughs> normal woman color. Woman. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like this is perfect it's like it's got you know ticking yeah. every possible base uh and then in, in case you thought like that was a coincidence or whatever in this movie like the villain is like a woman activist you know yeah. like uh so it's got like good elites and bad elites but like whereas the vox article was kind of saying that this like uh anti-global elite idea that everybody like they're all kind of um a venal and just like out for themselves and horrible like the u.s president in in the first movie the u.s president is kind of obama basically and he's evil yeah in a sort of implied way and in and in uh, this movie they have a more generic movie kind of president he's also a total douchebag who gets impeached i yeah. wish the real president was being impeached absolutely yeah um and uh but rather than that being some kind of progressive or in any way like populist message the, the vox thing was kind of tying it to in like some trump-like populism of the right there's like old fashioned conservatives and mixed with like popular. Yeah, well, it's a bit like, like that. And then like alt right is punk. 
yeah, you know, conservatism fuck, is the fuck, new punk. Fuck the SJWs. They're the real people, you know, this choke, choke holding culture or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can definitely, I can definitely see that. And, and actually there is a connection between that South Park attitude and that reactionary thing. Yeah. And, and, and that like that sort of, um, uh, a phrase that I saw on my Twitter recently was like neither left nor right resentment. It's like, yeah. fuck you guys with your stupid, sincere opinions. I'm above it. <laughs> You know, and like that, that so quickly moves into just like straightforwardly reactionary, you know, but like borderline fascist like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, outlook. Um, but it also has this horrible kind of um, uh, meritocratic uh, outlook, which is much more prevalent in the first movie. But that like that felt to me like more of a neoliberal, like new labor type thing where it's like. Um, you basically society is stratified in a way that's kind of fundamentally fine but you just need mechanisms to transfer the best people from the like you know shit at the bottom of society to right, the, right, right. the top of society mostly you are fine where you are but mostly yeah they're fine like but that one they suck but like if there's a smart one you know then they need to be extracted by some mechanism you know and transferred to the to the ranks of the elite and like that's basically like progressive values yeah and there, there's like an element of that but then yeah i don't know in, in in the latest movie, like the overwhelming sense you get is just like disdain and, and and contempt for everybody, and all of the bits that there's no way that anybody felt a single emotion watching this movie. If if anyone like well in terms of like you know caring about the characters, if anybody was invested in Colin Firth regaining his memory or anything like that, I don't believe it. I simply no. don't believe it because it all felt it all feels like a simulacrum of giving a shit. Yeah, it's so like, totally you, you flat. Need, you need to have like some beats to have like a story, you know. But the, the the basic impression is just like uh, misanthropy. I think yeah. it will maybe which will like do good business at the box office, but will like quickly dim. Apparently, like, there's going to be a third one. I saw some talk about Twitter that might. I'm sure, but I one. think this is like a sort of Star Trek into Darkness, Man of Steel sort of thing, where like people will be like, "Wait a second, this was actually fucking garbage." Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, and hopefully reevaluate the but, as well. Like the first one, we are way ahead of the curve. <laughs> we tell you it's garbage now. Always ahead of that curve. Some chat for you. A little break now in the show. Cause Danny has to blow his nose. And Sam is trying on different clothes. And Katie's cooking sausage rolls. I think they're almost done. I'm a film producer, Danny. What? Matthew Vaughan came into my office and claimed that uh, Hillary Clinton wasn't happy by the Russians or something in the election. I've become so furious I've fired him. No! You're hired now. You're making Kingsman 3. Shit. Your brief is a film that really challenges people, you know, like... People aren't shocked anymore by the whole Kingsman thing. Yes. They've seen, um, like, some gratuitous, like, anal sex stuff. They've seen some fingering stuff. Uh, they've seen people's heads explode. They've seen their eyes explode. You know, what are you going to do? How are you going to keep it going? Keep it fresh. What happens? Kingsman 3, let's go. Kingsman 3. So the villain is somebody who's trying to stop campus rapes. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. Uh, he's trying to, you like know, a, like a student, like a young female, a student. young female student, maybe, maybe a victim of sexual assault herself, a victim of sexual assault herself. But she's insane, and the way she is going to stop uh, sexual assault is by murdering all men. Yeah, yeah, perfect. 
She's got a, a virus that just kills the uh, Y chromosome. Makes their dicks explode. Makes their dicks explode. <laughs> it makes their dicks explode. Definitely. <laughs> makes their dick jump into their asses and they just, they fuck themselves to death. Yes. That's how it happens. That's the most <laughs> offensive way that can happen. The dick's going to jump up your ass. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so Eggsy is on, he's on the case. And in order to um, do that, he's got to only rape a child. <laughs> wow, yeah, that is, that's pretty full on. Sure, why the not? The thing is that most people would never do that because he's not that bold. Yeah, you know, yeah. He would pull the, he like, in the first movie, he's like, you've got to kill this dog, but they actually don't. He's always pulling the punches. He's always, like, flirting the idea that he's shocking and provocative, but that's he's not the, actually yeah. not. Exactly. It's the sort of thing, it just reveals what he considers to be okay and what isn't okay. Yeah, so it's not, it's something he thinks is last probably just fine, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, that's a bit too far for Vaughn. How about he got to rape a dog? He's got to rape a dog. <laughs> he's got to rape Mr. Pickles. He's got to put a tracking device inside the dog's anus but like it can only fit over his erect penis or something yeah he's got to fuck a dog he's got to fuck a dog um, some black mirror shit he's got to fuck the queen's dog he's got to fuck all the what corgis what about he's got to fuck a pig I mean I know that's been in black mirror but it's also connected to that Bullingdon club style you know um, thing that the, the, the movie yeah, takes yeah. place in so like how about he's got to fuck a pig he's got to fuck a pig and he's got to um, put a tracking device in the pope's ass. What Very c- tracking device centric <laughs> plot I think we need He's got to put a lot of tracking devices in a lot of different places uh, uh, Meanwhile he has a team up with the new The new um, foreign contingency The, the Chinese uh, statesman just Oh called- that's really good because that can be really racist Yeah like the uh, The wing pong <laughs> fong man Yeah the, the, the mingsman The mingsman <laughs> Right yeah. And they uh, Their weapon of choice is like just vases You know Just, just vases yeah. Vases Vases I'm Vases just, and uh, vases Sorry I've got a bit American there yeah, they like they keep uh, the vase. Actually, has got a grenade it's in it. Got a grenade in it. And uh, what else? They have like p- little pots of green tea. They got little terracotta robots. <laughs> little terracotta robots. They can, like leap into action to defend them and stuff. Yeah, played by um, Donnie Yen. They've hired him for one day. Shot all his, all his scenes in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> Chow Yun Fat. Chow Yun Fat only the... appears via Skype. Yeah, and they also team up with the the Russian contingents called like the uh, uh, I don't know the Comrade Com- <laughs> Comrade Mun Comrade Mun the King's Comrades. And uh, they have like bottles of vodka. They own a vodka distillery, right? Yeah, because you've got to have a business. So have I a guess business. The, the Mingmen they sell vases. <laughs> the <like>. Mingmen <laughs> sounds a bit like Joe Anderson, sort of like that. His failed, his failed puppet show. <laughs> I definitely think that having introduced one new country, they should introduce like another five. Yeah, every country has its own one. With another sort of like a little, um, little highbrow. There's like the Belgian one, and they just don't make waffles or something. <laughs> Like, that's their business, you know, or they, or like mussels. What about like a Swiss one? They're all like watched like clockmakers or something. Yes, or of cu- course. Cuckoo clockmakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then there's like the French one, but they're just bakers. <laughs> yeah, just, just a fucking boulangerie. Yeah, they're a boulangerie. <laughs> but they're all billionaires. You know, they're all super rich. Yeah, so they've all got to have like tons and tons and tons of money. Yeah. And he like pulls out a baguette, but it's actually like a laser baguette. And every scene, slice someone's head off. Every scene is like the room is just full of little celebrities. He's got them all in. They're all green screen together, as though they were all there on the same day. And then like he's got to like spunk on them all. Or it's like something disgusting has got to happen. Anyway, they all team up and they um, murder this woman who's trying to stop campus rape. They all gang up on her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they corner her. In a room. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> this is exactly where it would go. They corner her in a room. There's like. 
you know, spies from all every corner of the globe. It's all like, all it's like male. World clouds of they're all male. Of <laughs> all course, male. Because all the statesmen are male in in this movie, and all of the kings are male in the first movie. It's true. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and uh, yeah, they all gang up on her and like just beat her to death, you know, horribly. And then he's like, he sort of shrugs, and then he like, you know, goes home. He renews his vows with his like Swedish princess or something. Yeah. Perfect. It's <laughs> fucking grim, but perfect. <laughs> perfect. All right, guys. See, so, um, that's the end of another. Um, great episode of Film Chat. Uh, what do we review next week? I don't know. Don't know. Something. Oh wait, are we taking a break? Maybe we think we about might. A break? I might go see Victoria and Abdul, but I mean, is it worth an episode? <laughs> is it worth an episode? Is it even worth it? Is it even worth it? Well, we've got a lot of film watching to watch. Yeah, film yeah. We've got to get, get stuck into the RFF and stuff. We've got a lot of film watching to watch. A lot of film watching to do. Um, I think the next big release is Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So we'll definitely be back for that. Certainly. But if something is interesting is coming out, we're, we're, you know, don't tie us down, man. Well, you never know when we're going to drop an app. It's a very unpredictable pod. Exactly. So, uh, but it could be, it could be there's a break. You never know. Exactly. In, in the meantime, uh, stay quick. Stay quick on your feet. You never know who's out there. <laughs> be ready to run. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> your new crazy outros every week. Let's do it. <laughs> No, so that shot, the, the, my DP didn't understand. So we didn't have the right, the right equipment, and then he kept getting stuff in. I was like, "No, that's not what I want." No. And he's like, "What are you trying to do?" I said, "I want this to look like the equivalent of," um, I kept saying, "like like a helicopter flying through the Grand Canyon," and it's just epic, epic scale. And so, and then we did it, and he's like, "You are fucking insane! What are you doing?" I was like, no, it's going to work. And then Taryn didn't feel very comfortable doing it. So then we had to get Poppy's husband, who was spooning Taryn and had his hand oh through Taryn's um, uh, tracksuit, oh doing the hand for me. Right? It was great. And Poppy, to her credit, laughing. So I was like, you've got to stop laughing because we can see everything jiggle. Um, and, and it was. Uh, I am mad. And it was a moment where the whole set were looking at me like, you are insane. And I remember I'm going, and this is never going to make the cut. Never. And the more I hear that, the more it's going to make me come. So, um, <laughs> but I, I, I look. I think it's a cool shot. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify. And break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. 
the world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.